Hey, good morning, Center Point. I am so glad that you guys are here today. And um, hey, I just want to make sure that we did mention, though, that there were three ways that we can give. You can give online, you can give through the app, or you can give in person on your way out the doors. But um, my name is James. I'm one of our pastors here. And just excited to get into the word of part two of our Wonder Switch series. Uh, how many of you had a good Easter last weekend with your families and, and just... Yeah, I had a great time. We, um, you know, we barbecued and we got together and we just got to rest after, you know, church. And it was just, a, it was just an amazing day. And I've just been filled with wonder, just even thinking about, you know, what life is like today because of the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. And just the power of the resurrection and what that means for our lives. And, um, and so I'm stepping onto this platform today filled with that wonder and that excitement to bring this message to you today. Um, I, I love testimonies. Anybody love testimonies? Yes, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. There was a, um, I was reading some testimonies online. I was just, you know, searching. I was saying, you know, God, give me some testimonies about scripture, about the Bible. And there was a guy named Kurt, and he said, as a young, confused golf pro, so I don't know who Kurt something is, but he's a golf pro, okay, apparently. And he says that he heard Billy Graham speak about the living water from a hotel room TV. Instead of grabbing a, a bobble, uh, sorry, a bobble, <laughs> instead of grabbing a bottle, he grabbed the Bible and reached and found himself reading John 4, which is, all who are thirsty, come to me and I will give you living water. Right, And then he says that was the turning point in his life. He kept reading, and four months later, Jesus changed me forever. I will never forget. Another person named Sharon, I'm just trying to stir up faith today. Sharon said this, in 1972, I had a gun to my head. When I heard on the TV, I somehow turned on the television, and I heard the message from a, from a pastor named Pastor Billy Graham. So apparently these are both from Billy Graham, right? Said, Jesus loves you on the TV and I called the phone number that popped up on the screen, saw myself with a gun in the mirror, saw myself with a gun to my head and I called the counselor. I later started attending a Bible study and became born again. God is still using me today. You know, I, I, I grew up, I'll tell you a little bit about mine. I grew up in a Christian home, a fantastic home. Um, I grew up in the type of household where um, it didn't matter who was in the car, there was always worship music on. And you best believe when my friends would get in the car, it was cranked a little bit louder, right? <laughs> Air One was on. I, anybody love Air One? I loved Air One. I was, I was all about Air One. And, and uh, we would have Air One on. We would have Vineyard songs on. We would have songs like we just sang just a couple of minutes ago that just brought me back to such a, a familiar place. And that was beautiful. And, and I, I just remember going in a, and living in that house where you could hear my parents praying out loud or under their breath as they would do things throughout the house. And, and, and so I grew up in that kind of an environment. Now, I, I love when I hear stories and testimonies from people who say, yeah, I, I went to church my entire life. I never smoked nothing, never drank nothing, never slept with anybody. And, you know, and I just, I just you know, followed Jesus all my life and never got tempted. I'm like, praise God, that's amazing. But that was not this Exhibit A's testimony, okay? <laughs> Uh, and I fell for all the tricks, and I fell for all the schemes, and, and I found myself in a place where I needed God. I needed, I needed that resurrection power to come into my life. I didn't know it yet, but what, there was a young man that uh, he, he, would, um, he would, 
work on horses, and uh, he'd pick me up in his horse truck. He had, like, like horse tranquilizers in there. That's scary today, right? But he picked this young boy up and brought him in his car, and we would go down to this bagel shop, and we would get into the Bible together, and he was super smart. And, and I was not when it came to the Bible. When I would read the Bible, the Bible was scary because it was confusing to me. It, it was daunting. It was challenging. It was provoking. It was almost like looking in a mirror and seeing you have that mustard stain on your shirt and didn't realize it. It, it did something to me when I would read the Bible. And so I would leave feeling in, encouraged, but I would also leave sometimes with more questions. Does anybody ever do that? When you read the Bible, you find yourself questioning things and you find yourself wondering things. And, and I found myself reading the Bible and not really quite understanding it. Is this relevant to my life? Can I find the Bible and find a place to compartmentalize it into my life? And see, that's where I had it wrong as I was trying to compartmentalize the Bible rather than living out the Bible. But I found myself, one day I found myself reading the Bible without my friend Eric there. And I found myself in a coffee shop reading the Bible. And I'll never forget, I found myself in Matthew chapter 4. And I found myself reading this verse that was Matthew 4, 19, and I'll put it on the screens for you. And it says this, Jesus called out to them. He said, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. I found those words jumping out of the pages and sinking into my heart. I can't describe it to you, but if you've had that moment where you just realize God is speaking to me through the word. And, and it wasn't just words on a page. This was not just a story. This was a historical event. This was a real person. Jesus was speaking to the disciples and he said, come, follow me. And I felt that in my spirit. I felt that in my heart. Tears coming down my face. I turned the Starbucks that I was sitting in and I felt like I saw no one else, and it was just me and God. And I had this moment where I realized if I say yes to coming and following him, that would mean that I cannot just say that I believe in God, but I'm going to have to deconstruct some things that I have learned and I'm going to have to listen to what he says in his word and I'm going to have to take him at that word and follow him. And I found myself Almost as Paul says, I lay before you life and death. I found myself in this moment of realizing that I need Jesus. And I felt this call to follow him. I, I felt this call, of, so to speak, of as we're in the Wonder Switch series, to so to speak, to switch on the switch of light and walk in the light, to live in the light and not in the darkness. And as, as truth be told, I didn't get it perfect, and I continued to live my life, and I continued to make mistakes, but I had made a decision to follow him, but I was not a perfect person. Still, I'm not a perfect person. Still have a long way to go, but I did find myself at that moment. I can say that was, that was a defining moment where it wasn't a worship song. It wasn't a sermon. It was the word of God, and it was that moment where I realized the word of God became a living, breathing person. Because Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus was speaking to me through this passage of scripture. Now today we are going to read the Bible together. And I would like for you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read four verses. 
And then I'm going to tell you some funny things. Talk for a few minutes. You will laugh at me, I guarantee. And then we will go home. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 6 through 10. If you're wondering where Ephesians is in, it's in the New Testament. And um, it reads this. We will have it on the screens if you don't have it. If you don't actually have it but you have your phone, you can always download the YouVersion app. It's a great Bible app that you can download for your phone. But it says this. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things that people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. That is going to be our passage of scripture for today. Let's pray together. Jesus, would you come into this room? We are aware that you are here right now. And I pray for those of us who are not aware, would you instantly right now become aware of the presence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in this room right now. And that you would begin to have the same experience that I had where the word became real, living, and breathing. And that you would flip the wonder switch and live in the light. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I started a new hobby this week. I told you you're going to laugh at me, okay? I started a new hobby this week. I told my wife two weeks ago, I said, babe, I want to start playing basketball. And she looked at me, and she had one of these moments where she just said, that's ridiculous. Why do you want to start playing basketball now? Well, me and Abel had just watched... Uh, we had just watched Space Jam, the OG Space Jam, okay? And we watched it, and I watched the opening scene with Michael Jordan, and I believe I could fly. And I just, there was a moment where I said, if I'm going to teach my son who thinks I'm his hero, I must learn how to play basketball. Well, there is a friend that is in this service who has been trying to get me to play basketball with him. And uh, we actually ended up coordinating it together with our schedules. We had a group of friends that played basketball at an indoor gym. And uh, so we went to this private gym. And I got there, and I, I, was, I was nervous, okay? I'm going to tell you the truth. I was nervous to play basketball. I had a moment where I stepped into the, the arena, right? It was a great gym. I stepped into this place and I realized, wow, this is probably what non-Christians feel like when they come to church. <laughs> I don't belong here, right? Like, but you do, okay? And, uh, and everyone's welcoming me and they're saying, oh, so happy you're here. And some people are like, is that Pastor James? Like, and I'm over there, I got my Jordans on. I had my, my shoes. I was like, if anyone's gonna wear any shoes, it's gotta be Jordans, right? If we're gonna play basketball, good thing I have like a thousand pairs of shoes. So I had Jordans on my feet and I, and I stepped in and I was so nervous that I over-communicated. Did anybody ever do that? You talk too much when you get nervous. Pastor Aaron, would you pass me that basketball? And, uh, oh, good. I had one hand. Good thing I caught it. So this is my story. I'm up here, and uh, I'm getting ready to play basketball. And I realized something. I communicated an error. I told my teammates I really have never played basketball. Like, I played horse, okay? But I have never really actually played against a defender. I have never actually had to run the full court. I have ran a half court. <laughs> 
And the half court was confusing to me because I don't understand, do I need to take it to the halfway point or not? And apparently everyone has different opinions about that. I don't know. Okay. So I found myself, I've watched basketball, but never played the sport. And so I told them, and they said, that's fine. You can play with us. It's five on five. Once we get to nine, we're going to switch teams. I think it was nine. And, um, and so we started playing. Now, here's what happened, though. It was five on five, but really it was five on four plus one. <laughs> what I mean by that is the entire 10 minutes, I am running the court and never having the ball in my hands. The entire time I am running, I am dripping sweat until finally I hear James and Isaiah passes me the ball. I catch the ball. It is in my hands. I land with my feet on my hands and I put the ball under my arm like I'm playing football. And I began to run and not even hell would stop me from making it in that hoop. Until the, everyone said, Franz, and we stopped playing and they said, you traveled. Now, I had a moment where I said, I am done playing this foolish game. I'm going back to communicating, which is what I think I am good at. And, but what I realized is that I was telling them, no, I, I was not traveling. They said, yes, you stepped like five times without dribbling the ball. Now, imagine what would happen if I said to them, I said, no, I didn't. Traveling is okay now. Traveling is okay. I like traveling. I love traveling. I don't see anything wrong. In fact, when I travel with the ball, there is a better chance of me making it to the hoop than you do. <laughs> Who made such a stupid rule about traveling? And they would say, well, a guy named James, actually, go figure, invented a sport called basketball, and it's one of the 13 rules that you cannot travel. You must dribble the ball. Well, what if I said James was stupid? And what if I said to him and the people of the court, I said, in fact, the NBA is wrong. Traveling is okay now. We think traveling is okay now. And if you don't think traveling is okay now, then I will just cancel culture you and I will delete you off my social media and I will never come back to this court. The funny thing about that is that is the life that we live in today. Well, I think that this is okay now. I think that this is acceptable in our culture now. In fact, I think you're wrong and I'm right and we're just gonna say, from now on, traveling is okay. From now on, and if you don't like it, I will just cancel culture you. I will stop watching your movies. I will not eat at your restaurant. I will not come to your church. I will not tie to that church. Why? Because I am not okay with you saying something that I like doing is wrong. But what happens when we read the word of God, and we believe in a son of God, a Jesus who is good and is truth. He is not a concept of truth. He is truth. What happens when we read about this Jesus and then we have our ideal version of Jesus? What happens when, when there is a contradiction there? What happens when you think that it's okay because your version, your theology of Jesus says something is okay, but the Bible says it is sin? What do we do when we say, well, well, my version of Jesus, I think that Jesus is just loving and accepting of anything that I do. In fact, traveling is okay now. I'm okay with traveling. In fact, if you're not okay with traveling, well, this is the 21st century, and my experience trumps scripture. My experience makes this okay. Because we have placed our traditions and our experiences above the word of God. 
But I came here to tell you that the word of God transcends culture and the word of God inspires us and fills us to change culture. The scriptures are not defined by culture. The scriptures were not in, written in a time that was to be within culture. But the Bible, the word of God is divine. It is holy. It is living. It is breathing. It has the ability to change someone like me and turn him into someone that will lay down everything to follow him. The word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The word of God, when it gets inside of you and it becomes a living, breathing thing, it is a fire in your bones that you cannot shut down. You cannot keep quiet you cannot turn your back on because when it is in you it becomes a living breathing thing person actually not a thing I stand corrected it is a person and it is Jesus Amen. pastor and I'm gonna give that to you so when we read about scriptures like Ephesians chapter 6 can we put that verse back up on the screen verse 6 Ephesians chapter 5 verse 6 that says this don't be fooled. Don't be deceived. Don't be tricked. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse sin. We do live in a generation today that is not okay with something being called sin. It is my habit. It is a part of my trauma. It is a part of our culture. But we will not call something sin that the word of God calls sin. And the Bible is very, very specific about things that are written in his law that are his law. And if our version of Jesus, our theology of Jesus says that even if it's written in the law, well, Jesus loves me just the way that I am. I want you to know something. Jesus loves you, but he will not contradict himself. He will not, he does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I, in a loving, respectful, pastoral, brotherly way, I come to you today to say we need to wake up. We cannot compromise. Do not dabble in witchcraft. Do not dabble in horoscopes. Do not dabble in, in, in terror cards. Do not dabble in the things of culture that we have come to say, hey, I love Nike, but I'm not going to wear shoes with human blood in the soles. Love must be sincere. Despise evil. Romans 12, 9. That's not up in my verses, but it just popped in there. But we see that in the garden, in the very beginning, we see that God placed Adam in the garden, right? We know the story in Genesis. We see that God placed him in the garden. He said, you could eat from any tree. All of this is yours except for one tree in the middle of the garden. If you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. Well, one day the serpent, Satan, we know, comes and, and tempts Eve and says, will you, will you certainly die? No, you will not certainly die because he was a snake, right? And we see that... He says, you will not die. No, your eyes will be opened. And don't we see today that we live in a time where we say, I love God, but I don't want to miss out on something. Oh, I'm convinced that the fruit looks beautiful. I am convinced that the fruit looks good and tasty like a plum emoji on Instagram, right? We see that it looks good, 
But what Satan didn't tell her is that you will see good and evil, but you will be very acquainted with evil because this desire will give root to sin and sin will give root to death. And you will be separated from good because God is good. And so eating from this fruit, Jesus had to come down from heaven. He had to come down to reconcile us and to make things right again through the blood on the cross. We celebrated it last week that he didn't just die on a cross as a historical event, but that he was raised to new life three days later. He was resurrected, and there are eyewitnesses accounts of this Jesus person. And I thank God that it is not a conspiracy. I thank God that it is not just a story. I thank God that this was a real person, and his name was Jesus. Jesus, and he really did die on the cross for my sins, for our sins. If it did not matter what we do, then this would be so cruel to make Jesus die on a cross. If it was not important, if it actually didn't matter, he would not have to come. This is a real problem that we have today, that we call sin something that doesn't lead to death, and we think it leads to life. We think that if I just do whatever I want, well, I only have one life and I'm just gonna continue to live it the way that I want to. But that is such a counterfeit life. That is such an empty, voided life. I stand before you as someone who has tasted from that fruit and has done those things and have learned Jesus on the other side of my yes has transformed me into a faithful husband, has transformed me into an honest person, has transformed me into someone who loves people. I am no longer someone who fights with my fist. Last week I was eating at a restaurant and the, 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 the server dropped all the drinks on my lap. It was like me traveling. I had that moment for him, and I was, he was like, I am so sorry. The old version of James would have done something very bad in that moment. Instead, I, filled with compassion, was like, no, I'm sorry. I was sitting too close to the edge. No, I, I found myself almost apologizing to him for something he dropped in my lap. And why? Because I was just filled with this type of love that came from the, the scriptures. Ah. Uh. But we find ourselves, let's talk about sin for a moment. Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is what? Death, death not life, death. Romans 3.23 and 24 says this, for everyone, say this next word. Everyone, everyone louder please. Everyone, including me with the microphone, for everyone have sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standards. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Not of other people's sins, but of our sins. It is in his grace that he did this through Christ Jesus. The first part of it again, if you could put it back up, it says, for everyone have sinned. So if we know everyone, all of us in this room have sinned, and the verse I just read before you tells you that those who sin, it leads to death. Sin leads to death. We have a problem then, don't we? Sin cannot just be culturally accepted. We cannot just say, well, I just want to travel now. I just wanna do this now. I don't care what the Bible says because I have manipulated and bent and I have stretched scripture to where I theologically am okay to sleep at night. But the Bible is very clear about 
the penalty of sin, the power of sin, but also the power of Jesus and the grace of our Heavenly Father that is poured out lavishly over us. This is not a cheap grace. It is an expensive grace. It cost him his life. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, all scripture is inspired by God. Why don't we read this verse out loud, please? Ready, begin. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. With gusto, the next part. The next part, please. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. What we just said out loud tells us something. I am not figuring out what is right and wrong based on what my social media algorithm tells me. I am learning what is right and wrong based on what the scriptures say. Now, please put up the first part of that verse again. It says all scripture, all scripture, not just the New Testament, but the Old Testament as well. All scripture is inspired by God. Not just the verses that I like. Not just the verses that I don't struggle with. Not just the verses that is culturally acceptable today. And please understand me this. Culture will continue to stretch things until we are no, able, no longer able to defend Scripture. All Scripture is inspired by God. All scripture is God-breathed, is another translation, useful to teach us what is true. What is true. But we live today, our Gen Zs, our millennials, the next generations that are rising up is confused about what truth is. Well, what is truth? What's my truth? What's your truth? What was your experience? Do we actually believe anymore that there is an absolute truth? I believe and I still believe that God's word is absolute truth. I believe that God's scriptures are a living, breathing person. So if I believe that God is true, then I must believe that God's word is true because I cannot separate the two because he is the word made flesh. He is this word, the full embodiment of this word. I cannot avoid things in it. It examines and shows me where I am wrong. But we are so on edge today. Do not tell me that I'm wrong or I will unfollow you. I am one click away from never seeing your face on the internet ever again. Do not say it to me like that because you are just too religious. Do not tell me that that is what the Bible says. I don't like the Bible because it doesn't fit in my life. I don't want the truth. I want my truth. I don't want the word of God in my life. I just want to be saved. Jesus is not just something that we can just add on top of our lifestyle. He is not just something that we can say, well, I just love coming to Easter. 
I, I, Pastor, if you would just preach the sermon where I get saved every time. But please do not talk about exhibit A, B, C, D, or E. It is becoming extremely difficult in our time that we live in today to speak truth without being canceled. But I will not cancel God. I would rather be cancel cultured than canceled by God, than cancel God. God loves you. God is for you. This message I even had to put on the blessing by Carrie Job as I drove in today. He is for me. He is with me. He is beside me. He is in me. He is with me. I had to remind myself because I said, I'm just going to turn off my emails this week, okay? I'm going to go on vacation. <laughs> Pastor Aaron, you can get my emails. <laughs> but in all truth, in all honesty, my main point for you today is this. It's very simple. Trust God and live fully in the light. Trust God. Trust him at his word. Trust him that he is for you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He created us. It would be like, it would be asinine for me to let my son put his hand into the fire on the stove and not tell him that that will hurt you. If I let him do that but did not correct him, that would not be loving. God loves you. Please hear that in my message today. I am not here to condemn. I'm here to love and to preach in truth the word of God. Ephesians 5, 7, and 8 says this, don't participate in the things people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. So live as people of the light. We do not have a third option where we can go over to the wonder switch and just put it in the middle, just enough to where the light switch comes on. It is on or it is off. On or off. And now, I understand that we all make mistakes and we all sin, and there is grace for those things, but I am speaking that there is a first step for someone in this room to accept Christ Jesus into your heart, but there is also a next step for all of us to be able to read the Bible again and not just take people's summaries, not just take people's word for it. It's amazing how there's a lot of us that today, I think it's like 9% of millennials read the Bible every day or once a week. It was like either every day or once a week. It's 9%. That is not a lot of people. That means that we are learning from culture. We are learning from our television shows. We are learning from our subscriptions. We are learning from people's experiences, and we are not looking at the scripture. It used to be that we would read the Bible, and we would see things, and we would take God at his word, but we have come to a place where we almost argue whether God is really good. Is God really good? Because I think, not me, but I hear people say, well, God doesn't allow me to do these, God's withhold, God's just so angry. God is just up there just waiting with, like someone said, like a thunderbolt waiting to just zap me. 
Well, I can't go to church because the church will burn down if I come into the church. I assure you, you will not, it will not burn down. You can come into the house of God. He loves you. He is for you. He wants you. He came for you. But I, I find myself where we find throughout culture today, a lot of people are not willing to accept the things in the scripture because it doesn't make sense to them. And, I, and I'm here to say, yes, there are things in the Bible that doesn't make sense to me. I can't rationally explain how God was just there in the beginning. I don't know how to answer that question. I don't know. I even, I was listening to Billy Graham's sermons and he was like, I don't know how to answer that. And I was like, thank you for being honest. Like, I find myself sometimes feeling so dumb when I read the Bible. But I do take him at his word. So I still do believe that there was a time when God flooded the earth with water in the days of Noah. Yes, I still believe that there is a place called hell. I still believe that there is a person who was swallowed by a big fish and given a second chance, and his name was Jonah. I still believe that there was a place called Eden. I still believe that there was a virgin who conceived the incarnate person named Jesus, the Savior of the world. And I do believe that one day we will hear the trumpet sound, and we will see the skies ripped open, and we'll, we will see the one who is faithful and just and righteous, and he will descend on a white horse, and on his robe and on his thigh will say, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We used to preach Jesus is coming again. Have we dimmed our lights? Have we turned off the light? Because it is easier to be comfortable than be, to be cancel cultured. It is easier to just condone things than to correct. But all scripture is useful for correcting, rebuking, and building up. All scripture. We cannot just isolate things and say that I believe in this, but I'm not willing to agree with that. Because God inspired the word. It was written in man's hand, but it is inspired by God. That means that it is outside of time. It is not irrelevant because God is not irrelevant. It is not false or with shadow because God is not false or with shadow. It is good. It is truth, absolute truth, because there is no false in him. God cannot lie. It is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Romans 12, 2 says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and is pleasing and perfect. God's will for you is good. God's will for you is pleasing. God's will for you, I love that next word, is perfect. God's will for you is good. Again, it is pleasing. It is perfect. Isn't he good, church? Isn't God good? So when we read a verse like this, we can't just consume or compromise or copy the behaviors of the world. No, in fact, Jesus actually said, no, in this world, you will have trials 
and tribulations. There will be problems in this world, but take heart for I have overcome the world. In this life, if we are living out the word of God, if we are truly following Jesus, well, there are just going to be moments where we disagree on things and that's okay. It is okay to disagree on things. It is okay. Just because we disagree does not mean that I don't love you. Does not mean that I have to unfollow you. It does not mean that I have to cancel culture you. But God does not cancel culture us. God does not just say, well, I'm just, I'm just done with you. You have just done. No, the blood of Jesus is enough. The blood of Jesus covers all of our sins. His grace is sufficient for us. It is enough for us. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus spoke to his disciples and he said, I am not a way. I am not an option. There is no other options. I am the way. I am not an ideal truth, a concept of truth. I am the truth. I am absolute truth. I am the truth and I am the life. He is life. There is life only through Jesus. Only through the resurrection of Jesus is there life. Only through that cross can we step into eternity and life. He is not just an option of ways well, you know, I just, you know, I'm a good person. I, I give to a nonprofit. And, well, you know, I go to church every once in a while and I, I make it to Easter. That's good, right, Pastor? I make it to Christmas. I'm a good person. But our works are like filthy rags without the atonement blood of Jesus Christ. He is the only way. He is the truth. He's the truth. You've been looking for the truth, he is the truth. You've been searching for the truth, young person, he is the truth. You've been looking your entire life for truth. Jesus is the full embodiment of truth. He is the absolute truth. There is nothing in him that is false. There is nothing in him that leads to death. Jesus is the truth. He is truth. There is, we, we could just get rid of the idea that there's no such thing as truth because we know Jesus was here. Jesus walked in the earth as in a person, put on flesh, truth, put on skin. Truth died in our place. Truth robbed the lies of Satan. Truth put death in its place. Truth said, sting, you have no more in sin. He is truth. We don't have to second guess God's nature, do we? Because if he is truth, we can take him at his word and believe. If he is and only does what his father says, 
and me and the Father are one, then that means what the Father says about you is truth. When he says, I love you, we can believe him. When he says, I am for you and not against you, we can believe him. When he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he is telling the truth. When he says, I forgive you, he is telling the truth. He is not withholding and saying, yeah, I, I said the words, I forgive you, but I'm still gonna make you pay for this when you get to heaven. No, he is the truth and he speaks truth. He cannot lie. Ephesians 6 says he cannot change his mind. He cannot take back his promises and his oath. And he is the life. Hallelujah. He is the life. Hallelujah. There is life in him. There is life on the other side of flipping the wonder switch and trusting God and living in the light. There is a life that if you have not received Christ, if you do not believe that he is your Lord and Savior, there is a life on the other side of that, yes. And I understand that it may be confusing. We don't always know everything because maybe you didn't go to church your entire life. Maybe you didn't have someone preach the gospel message to you, but Jesus Christ came for our sins. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to die on a cross for the sinners. He said, I did not come for the perfect, but I came for the sinners. That means he came for me because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I cannot exclude a person from that. I cannot say, well, this message is for these people, but not for you. No, because we have all sinned and the wages of sin leads to death. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. I have come, the enemy came to steal your life, to steal and kill your legacy, to destroy your dreams, to destroy your family. But I have come and stepped in the middle of it. And I have come and restored us. And I have come and put death, hell and the grave in its place. I have stepped in where you could not. I saw that there was no other way that you would come to me. There was no one in the earth that was good enough to be able to reach heaven. So I had to step down from heaven and come to you. I had to live a perfect, sinless, selfless life and die on the cross. I had to take that penalty because there was, there was a penalty from our sin. There was a bill that was due and we did not have enough credit. We did not have enough, but Jesus stepped in and he said, I will pay that price. I will die on the cross for whosoever believes in me will have everlasting life. So Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And his word is true. So we cannot excuse sin. We must examine what he defines as sin. We did not get to make these rules ourselves. I did not just get to say, well, I just want to travel now. And you are wrong because traveling is okay now. Because if he defines something as, son, that is not good for you. My daughter, I have better for you. Oh. Well, then that changes everything. 
that changes everything. That means that on the other side of my yes and saying yes to Jesus and trusting his word and living fully in the light and walking in his way, living the life that Jesus lived, that means that there is eternal life without separation from him. So I wanna pray for you today. I wanna pray with any person in this room who just has the judgment on themselves that says, I am a rotten sinner. I am someone who just, God could not love me. I, or someone who just says, you know what? I have not received the free gift of Jesus Christ. I've been trying to do it on my own without him or any other reason why you have not come to Jesus. I want to pray with you. I want you to make a decision today to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm stepping over this line. I'm receiving Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm gonna trust him at his word and live in the light. With every head bowed, every eye closed in this place. Romans 10, 9 says, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. If you want to make a decision today to give your life to Christ, then I just want you to raise your hand so boldly in this room, ever so boldly, ever so boldly. Thank you, I see your hand in in the seats above. Even online, you could write in in the comments or outside in the patio. Know that God loves you. This is your moment right now to receive Jesus. Just pray and talk to God because he is here in this room right now. Speak to him. Jesus, I give my life to you. I give my heart to you. I believe that you died on a cross for my sins. I believe that death couldn't hold you, but that you were raised to new life. I receive right now the forgiveness for my sins through the blood that you spilt for me. I choose to believe that you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. Today, I am a born-again believer in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. Can we celebrate for those who gave their life to the Lord? Church family, we we have a final song that we're going to sing, and our band's here in, in place. So would you all please just stand up to your feet? And can we just, for a moment, what I think would be so powerful is in response to what we just talked about and read through in scripture, that we give God in this next song an unhinged praise. We give God our very best in worship. We give God ourselves, our heart. We don't just sing a song, but we worship God. Can we join all of heaven and eternity and worship God in this next song? Amen.